Blog Talk Radio. Satellites in the skies broadcasting live 
and uh, and you take it to the exact uh, same kind of uh, location, like you take it to uh, leaning on a tree, and you lean on that tree on the 25-meter line and make your shot, you're going to have a, somewhat, a slightly different zero. Every time you you tweak your position, you have a little bit of a change in your zero. So that's something you're going to have to learn. You have to figure out what, uh, how to, uh, to to understand that. And the only way to do that is going to be to shoot. Uh, so, <clears throat> all right, so tonight, uh, we're talking about the six steps to firing the shot. And uh, I can't see, let's see if I got, I don't have the, I still don't have a, a chat room window open. So if there's something that you need to ask or something like that, you can be sure and, and uh, you can post it in the chat room. I'm seeing the coast. I think he can see it. And uh, if not, he will let me know. And then you're always welcome to call in tonight with your, with your questions or comments uh, or anything like that. Or if you have uh, some uh, any kind of uh, special secrets that you use for teaching the six steps to front of the shot, we'll be glad to have those too. I mean, I'm always willing to listen to, uh, to new information, a good way to teach something. <clears throat> Our number is 347-308-8790. And as always, we'll... Uh, we will uh, take your calls. If you want to tell somebody thank you, uh, one of your local crew, if you want to tell them thanks, if you want uh, to uh, call in and talk about your your local area, about what's happening there, give us a sit rep for your local area, that's great. Uh, if you want to call and give an AAR after an after-action report, on uh, an event that you just ran, and that will be great, too. Uh, I want to remind the folks in Texas that we have the Self-Reliance Expo on the 27th to 28th, and we need the Texas folks, uh, anybody else that wants to come is welcome, we need the Texas folks to lend a hand with manning a booth there with Jim and Kim from Colorado to... uh, to get the apple seed word out. Now, Jimmy Kim have done a great job of putting together a traveling circus to take to these uh, to the expos, and uh, they have uh, a, uh, I believe it is a, was it a 10-meter? I don't know if it was a 10-meter or if it was a 5-meter. I can't remember now. Firing line and 10 pellet guns. And they have a wood, uh, a wooden backstop and safety boards around it, so that people come to the expo and they can actually get down and they can shoot. Uh, uh, I don't know if they were firing red coats. I mean, they may have been. I, 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 and I just can't remember now if they were firing red coats or not. But I think that they were with the pellet guns, and they will actually get uh, a chance to learn some of the skills and techniques that they would get in the apple seed. And it's really. Everybody there was loving it. The kids were loving it. All of the folks, uh, all the folks that were stopped by, were, were really enjoying themselves. And one of the better things about this is that if you've ever spent any time uh, standing out, uh, shaking hands, handing out flyers, and stuff like that, you know that uh, 99% of the folks don't want to 
they're not really interested in hearing what you have to say, right? It's not really the market we're going after. It's uh, it's just too general. Now, at the Self-Reliance Expo, it was much different because all of the folks there at the Self-Reliance Expo were there for the specific reason of improving their uh, their chances of getting through tough situations. So they're just exactly the folks that we wanted to talk to. The 27th to 28th at uh, in uh, the at uh, the I don't remember the name of it now the stadium, but it's going to be in uh, DFW. If you want to go, if you're in Texas and you want to go or anywhere else, just give me uh, a PM or email, and uh, we'll try and get the folks together. This is happening at the same time that Glenn Beck is putting on his conference, and we'll be right there. I guess they'll have to walk through the expo to get there. There's supposed to be quite a few folks there. So it sounds like a, a good chance to get the apple seed message out. <clears throat> All right. The number is 347-308-8790. 347-308-8790. And, uh, and I just paid my monthly uh, 50 bucks for the 50 lines. So make I go ahead and you guys can have as big a tsunami or stampede as you want. I thought we could get you all in the air. All right. Uh, I want to thank uh, some of the folks in my crew here in Texas, the local crew here. I want to take, thank Charles uh, Leeming, Red Dot on the forum, because he is he is very very dedicated. He's always ready to go. He's always always ready to do a, an event anywhere in Texas or anywhere else. He just got back from doing some uh, an event in Nebraska, and then doing an event in Midland and San Angelo. And he comes here to the villa to help out. And he's a uh, he's an excellent instructor. He's a, a retired colonel and uh, very very sharp individual. And I really appreciate uh, the help. He also will, uh, if there's an instructor who needs a ride somewhere, he'll drive, no matter how far it is, he'll drive plenty of the way out of his way to pick up that instructor and take him with him. And uh, and he just, he's just a fellow to ride the river with. I can't say enough good, enough good stuff about Charles Laming. And our buddy uh, Kirby Foster. Kirby does the uh, uh, a lot of the maintenance and work on the IT stuff for the forum. Now, there's a lot of other folks doing it. It's not just Kirby by himself doing it, but I just want, I, I know I know Kirby and I know that he's doing that, and I want to thank him for the work that he does on that and for the the hard work that he does uh, as an instructor on the Apple Seed line. He's always willing to jump into and teach, and uh, he's a, if I'm going somewhere or, or Chuck going somewhere. To uh, instruct in an event, well, he'll he'll throw his stuff in the truck and uh, he'll come along with us. So, Kirby, uh, he's doing a great job, and I really appreciate it. He also runs the the Battle Road uh, website for us, does the IT stuff for it, and uh, and he does a great job there. And if you'd like to find out more about Battle Road, that's a company that uh, Mark Martinez and myself. Uh, Started, and uh, it's for uh, self-defense 
handgun, uh, combat carbine, self-defense shotgun, uh, home defense, vehicle defense. Uh, and uh, we have a class coming up the 21st, 22nd of uh, July, uh, which you guys are welcome to attend. You can find more about it by going to BattleRoadUSA.com. BattleRoadUSA.com. All right. We're still not getting the uh, chat room to open up. But we're going to dive right in. Uh, Once you've established a stable shooting position and you've got yourself uh, set and ready, you're going to execute the shot by the six steps. Now, we're going to go over plenty of the rest of the stuff in the in upcoming parts. We're going to go over natural point of aim and IMC, all the rest of the stuff. But tonight we're just going to talk about the six steps of firing the shot. That's the actual physical act itself, what you're going to do uh, in the physical act of firing the shot. The f- and if you're just tuning in, of this, and you haven't uh, you you haven't been to an apple seed, and you don't know what we teach or anything like that. <clears throat> uh, let me just say this: that the stuff that we teach at an apple seed is not it's not something that we just made up ourselves, and uh, and it's a brand new shooting system. And we're going to try it out on you guys like space monkeys and see if it works or not. It's not anything like that at all. This is, uh, what we've done is, is is we've boiled down the experience of millions of shooters and I'm sure billions of rounds uh, over the last uh, 500 years. And that's what we're teaching you. We're teaching you the tried and true uh, methods that have been proven to work over the last uh, several hundred years. All we've done is we've trimmed off all the fat. We've boiled it down just to its essence so that we can teach it to you in two days. So I want to get that out of the way first, that this isn't, uh, this isn't some... Uh, kind of new science or something. This is tried and true methods, all right? Uh, nothing different than you. You could learn it yourself. Many people do. You can learn it yourself easy enough by uh, by going out and spending years shooting and going to the, uh, talking to different folks and learning stuff like that, but uh, you will get it much quicker by going to an apple seed event, all right? Okay, so the first step to finding a shot is sight alignment, all right? Sight alignment, and this is not uh, this is not some kind of uh, uh, complex uh, thing. It's simply aligning the front and rear sights so that they're in their correct positions. If you have the uh, if you have the uh, the V notch or analog type sights, then you're going to want to see the front sight, which is usually going to be a blade or a uh, or a blade with a bead or something like that. 
uh, on the front, and in the rear will be some type of a notch system. What you're going to do is you're going to center that blade in between the two notches, in, I mean in between the two posts in the rear and inside that uh, notch, so it will be at the same level. It will be centered and at the same level as the two notches. All right, now that's, that is for your typical uh, V or notch type sighting system. Now, the only exception to this that I want to talk to folks about is the factory uh, Ruger 1022 sights. Now, if you look in that, you'll see that it has the front sight is a blade with a bead on it, and the rear sight is the notch sight, but it has a plate that slides up and down in it, and the plate has a uh, a half of a sphere uh, cut into it. Now, in this one, you have to make sure that the blade with the bead, that that bead is sitting inside of that cup. If you have it centered, in between the two, uh, the, the notch in the rear and the rear of the rifle, then it won't accept any adjustments. Any adjustments you make to the rear side are not going to do anything to move the impact of the round, right? Because you're not moving uh, the sighting, the uh, sight, uh, the sight alignment. So you want to have that front bead resting in that cup. And that way, the adjustments you make will actually uh, affect the impact of the round down range. All right, now, if you have a 1022 that has uh, the tech sights on it, or if you have some type of a battle rifle, or any rifle that has the peak sights, then what you're going to do in that situation is you're going to imagine, uh, you're going to imagine crosshairs in the peak. Now, the, the rear sight will be some type of a circle, and the front sight will be some type of a blade. What you'll do is you'll have an imaginary set of crosshairs in the rear peep sight, that circle. Then you'll bring your front, that front blade will be centered in the rear aperture. And the top of the front blade will just be touching the halfway point of the rear aperture, just like it's, uh, it would if you had a scope and you're looking through the crosshairs on it, that front sight, blade, front sight blade would be centered uh, vertically and horizontally. Now, this isn't a hard thing to do. Your, your mind wants symmetry. It's always it's searching for symmetry. It wants things to be right. It wants things to be centered and level. And, uh, you know, you walk into a house and you see a picture that's a, a little bit uh, that's a little bit askew, then you automatically notice that. You know, you want to you wanna correct it. It's the same thing with your sights. It doesn't, you don't have to, to worry about uh, them being exactly perfectly centered. You just need to let your eyes and your mind center it uh, as it wants to do. 
Now, the only person that's going to be able to see what you're seeing when you're looking at your site alignment is you. Nobody else can see it. You're the only one that's going to be able to see it. And the main thing, you can, you can actually, we have these photographs of all of the, uh, there are examples of, of what is wrong with uh, say side alignment, if you have the front sight too high or too low or too far to the right or left or something like that. In each of those cases, you could actually zero the rifle like that. You could zero the rifle with the, with the front sight touching the right side of the peep. You could if you wanted to. And as long as you always held that... Uh, that sight alignment the same way, it'd be no problem. The main thing is consistency, is making sure you see the same thing every time you line your sights up. And then whenever you zero your rifle, it's going to be zero to that sight alignment. If you have a scope, and we see more and more scopes on the line, if you have a scope, the sight alignment has already been done for you, and... Uh, the crosshairs are already centered, but now you still have to ensure that you're not seeing any darkness, any cloudiness, anything like that. All right? And that'll have to be remedied with your eye relief, the distance from your eye to the scope, either if you brought forward or backwards, so you have a clear sight. All right? But your sight, the... Uh, the the alignment will be done inside the scope for you. All right, before we move on, I've got uh, we've got a question on the first step. All right, uh, Opie, you had a question about the first step. Welcome to the show, Opie. Hey, uh, I was actually at the gun range uh, about a few days ago. And uh, like you said, I was aiming down the, uh, what is it, the, where I'm supposed to be looking at on the gun. And I was actually shooting, uh, you know, all my slaves. The and I actually, now? I tried to aim. I'm sorry? Uh, I, I didn't hear what you said. You you were seeing a what? I was shooting one of my uh, slaves. One of your blades? Slaves? I'm not. I'm. I'm. I'm not hearing the word that you're saying. Oh, a black guy. Oh, okay. Are you talking about with a scope? No, like an iron sight. Okay, run it by me one more time. I'm sorry, my my phone connection isn't that great tonight, and uh, the power keeps going on and off. I'm surprised I'm still on the air here because the power keeps going on and off here. But I'm, I'm just having a little bit of trouble hearing you. You said you're at the gun range, and you were having a hard time seeing your blades on your sight. No, no, no. I was I'm, I was I was aiming down at the range, and uh, I was trying to shoot a black guy. A black dot. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I'm still I'm still missing it. You're saying you're trying to shoot a a black guy. 
I'm not. I'm still missing it. A black, and I'm missing the second word. Guy. A black die. Are you talking about D Y E? I'm sorry. I don't. I don't know what that is. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. We're having trouble on this, but uh, but but go ahead. Keep keep. Uh, try explain explain your the the difficulty you were having. Well, I was trying to shoot the the black guy, and uh, I was aiming. You know, I was aiming at his back, but uh, I guess the iron side was off or something. I don't know how to explain it, but like I guess the iron side wasn't you know uh, uh, zoomed in correctly or something, and actually mm-hmm. uh, shot him in his leg. Now you shot you him know. in his leg. <laughs> okay, so this is uh, this is like you're jacking with me, right? Oh, I guess it was. I guess I guess I wasn't I guess I guess I wasn't uh <clears throat> falling for the joke enough and uh and since I was have asking to repeat it over and over, he got frustrated and he hung up. I think he was trying to say Scott we Scott, we had a a butthead on there that was talking about trying to shoot a black man and I just hung him up. Oh, uh, okay. Well, that's that's kind of what I I, I kept thinking. What is he saying? <laughs> he was saying guy. I thought he was saying he got a black eye, a black eye, and, and I and I and I couldn't understand what he's saying until the end. He said, "So I, I shot him in the leg." So he was trying to be funny, and uh, and uh, and he just failed completely on all fronts because uh, number one, that's just ridiculous. And uh, and and he's an idiot. But we run into those folks all the time, don't we? Uh, we run into them on the range. We run into them in our in our personal life, in our public life. People who who want to try and and make uh, make something ridiculous. They want to try and create problems. As if we didn't already have enough, right? It's almost like uh, uh, it's almost like we just we just didn't have quite enough trouble, so we're going to have somebody uh, doing their best to make some. All right. So he wants to. He says he was going to shoot at a black guy. Well, that's a good chance for me to tell you that uh, that the Appleseed Project uh, we don't allow we wouldn't allow anybody talking like that on the radio. Uh, at an event anywhere, uh, we don't. Uh, apple seed is for everybody. We don't do any politics. We don't. Uh, apple seed is for uh, whites, blacks, uh, uh, browns, yellow, greens, orange, pink, you name it. And we're a supporter of each and every uh, type person that there is, other than haters or racists or troll-makers or terrorists or anything like that, all right? Other than that, you're welcome at an Appleseed event. And uh, I'm sure that if we if we took 30 minutes and spoke to this guy, the same way we did with uh, Mr. Colorado. You guys remember Mr. Colorado? He was the one who was talking about uh, 
uh, all the white people wanting to shoot all the black people. And after a couple of minutes, uh, he calmed down. He realized that wasn't the case, but but he worked himself up. I'm sure that uh, we could talk to this guy. After about 30 minutes, maybe we could uh, talk some sense into this person the same way. And then again, maybe you couldn't. I don't know. Anyway, uh, the first step to firing the shot is sight alignment. And we went through this. This is... uh, this is uh, an important part of making the shot, and that is making sure that you have your sights aligned correctly. Now, it's not any, it's no, no complex thing. It's very simple. But it needs to be done the same way every time. It needs to be con- done consistently the same way every time. All right? You've got a peak sight. You have an imaginary crosshair. Your front blade will be centered uh, vertically. And then horizontally, the top of the front blade will come to the center of the circle and stop right there. If you have the notch sights, you'll have the front of the blade centered and then at the same height as the uh, as the post on the rear sight. Uh, if it is a Ruger 1022 sight, then you'll have the front ball, the factory one, you'll have the front ball that will be resting, not centered in between, not uh, at the same level as the two ears on the notch side, but it'll be sitting in the cup on that notch side. And that way, whenever you move that cup up and down, you'll move the impact around up and down. If you have a scope, the alignment will be done for you inside the scope. You'll just have to worry about eye relief in order to make sure you have a clear glass. That's step one. Step two is sight picture. And this is simply... Performing step one, which is side alignment, and then adding to it the target. So you're going to have the rear sight and the front sight aligned, and then you're going to take the front sight and place it on the target uh, in a consistent fashion. Now, we have... uh, there are all different methods of doing this. If you're in the military or law enforcement, a lot of those folks teach a center of target or center of mass because they're usually shooting at fairly close distances and they need to hurry up and get a quick sight picture and get that round off. And if this is what you do and this is a, that's how you do it, then you, you continue doing that. Uh, we're not going to tell you in Napalcy that you have to do it one way or the other. You have to do this way or you have to use a sling or you have to do this. Well, we're never going to do that because you don't have to. You don't have to do anything. matter of fact, you don't even have to come to an Appleseed. I usually tell folks, look, if you're not going to at least try what I'm telling you or listen to what I'm saying, then you could do this at home in your garage or your backyard and then save yourself 70 bucks. But while you're here today, at least attempt, at least give it uh, a shot at doing the things we're asking you to do. Okay, so if you have been uh, if you have been shooting center of mass or target, that's fine. Uh, you can uh, maintain that. If not, uh, you can use a six o'clock hole. And that is where you take your front sight and you bring it up to the bottom of the target at the 6 o'clock position. 
say you were shooting at a uh, at a beach ball, and you'd bring your front side up so it touches the bottom of the beach ball, and you'd have a picture that kind of looked like a lollipop or a pumpkin on a fence post. Uh, <clears throat> now the reason that uh, that we we're teaching uh, that we do teach six at hold, six o'clock hold, quite often, uh, often at apple seeds. And the reason we offer it is because if you're just shooting at close end range, then that's no big deal. Uh, it's easy to to get a quick sight picture uh, on your target, put it to center of mass, center of target, and squeeze around off. However, when you start moving out uh, to distance, that's where it starts getting tricky. When I'm shooting at uh, at, or at 100 yards, then my front sight, when I'm using a D-target, or say I'm using a silhouette, then my front sight is, uh, uh, is a bit thinner than the D target. Now, whenever I move out to uh, to 400 meters, and I were looking at the the target, it would be it would be the same thing as if uh, say a person stuck their head out of a out of a sunroof on a truck. I'm looking at the truck head on. And a person uh, and a kid stuck their head and shoulders out of the sunroof of the truck. The truck is my front sight, and uh, the the person sticking their head and shoulders out of the top of the sunroof is the silhouette. Now, if I try and move that that front sight into the center of mass or center of target, it's going to be kind of hard to do. So we're teaching the 6 o'clock hold. Uh, so that you can see your target at distance. And all this does is, uh, and we'll talk about this more in when we do inches, minutes, and clicks, all we're doing is we're adjusting the point of impact to be two minutes of arc above the front sight. And uh, and this works out very well for shooting at distance. And uh, And whichever method you choose, you're going to you 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 can use any method you want. You just need to do it consistently. Uh, don't use six o'clock uh, today and center of target next week. Uh, do this consistently. <clears throat> All right. So we have sight alignment first, and then we have sight picture. Sight alignment is simply putting the front sight and the rear sight in the correct alignment. Then we have sight picture and that is having the the aligned front and rear sights set into place with the target and it's being set in the same place every time on the target. <clears throat> okay, the third step to firing the shot is respiratory pause. Now, respiratory pause, and why do we why do we even need 
a respiratory pause? Why are we even talking about this? It's because we have to eliminate movement in the rifle in order to fire the shot consistently. Same way that you have to build a stable shooting position so that you eliminate as much movement as you can on the rifle. Even if you have the most rock-solid shooting position that you can get, every time you take a breath in and let it out, your whole body moves. Your body will be connected to a rifle if you're shooting, and that means that if you move, the rifle moves. There's no way around it. If you are breathing while you're taking the shot, the rifle is moving. Now, can you hit a target while you're breathing and shooting? I'm sure that you can. Uh, Will you hit it consistently? No, you won't. In order for you to make the shot consistently, there needs to be no movement. And there will be movement as if you breathe, so you need to stop breathing. Temporarily only, please. So, how are you going to do this? And there are, there are many ways you can do it. Once again, let me tell you that at Apple Tea, we don't tell you you have to do anything uh, one way or another way. We are going to tell you that it's that something is going to have to be done in order for you to make the shot consistently, and that is you need to not be breathing while you're making the shot. Now, you can do this by uh, taking in a, a breath of air and letting out half a breath or a quarter of a breath. Uh, the problem with that, and you may want to, you may be doing this at some point in order to help you adjust your sights. That's uh, taking a breath in and letting it out so your sights settle on the target and then stopping and taking the shot. And you can do that. <clears throat> but uh, the majority of the time, we're teaching folks that don't have experience doing this and the the problem with taking a breath in and letting out half a breath or something like that is it's hard to do that consistently. You know, when you don't have any type of a graduated uh, pressure dial that we can see, it says, "Okay, I just took I just uh, took in uh, volume X and I let out uh, volume X point five. So." We don't have a way to know exactly uh, how much air we're bringing in or taking out or we're stopping. And once again, I want to stress to you that the best way to ensure that you're going to make the shot consistently is to make sure that you're making your preparation consistently. For me, I've found that the best way for me is to take the shot at the bottom of my cycle. That's where I've taken a breath in, and then I release that breath until I have an equalization between the outside and my lungs. I breathe in, I breathe out, I get to that point where uh, I no longer have pressure inside my uh, lungs, my diaphragm is relaxed, and I don't need to take another breath in yet. Now, one of the reasons I do this is because... uh, we want to eliminate as much muscle uh, adding into the shot as possible. And if you are are holding in air, if you're holding in half a breath or something like that, 
Then you have your diaphragm flexed. It has to be flexed in order to uh, to stop it from moving. That means it, it's flexed. And uh, I also know that this is going to be the most consistent place for me to return to over and over again. Now, if you're doing it at the bottom of your cycle, one of the things, too, is that this is something that you do thousands of times a day. You breathe in, you breathe out. Pause, 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 pause. You breathe in, you breathe out. Pause, 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 pause. You never take a breath in, breath out, breath in, breath out, breath in, breath out, unless you're running or you're you're getting ready to to, to make yourself pass out, okay? That's the way your body works. You take a breath in, and you release the pressure on it. And while the, the air is, uh, the uh, oxygen is being uh, uh, distributed to your body from that breath, and the carbon and uh, the rest of the uh, uh, the gases are exhaled, you don't have to take another breath in. So this gives you, uh, uh, between, depending on your, your body type and stuff like that, it gives you between uh, three, to eight, eight, three to eight seconds before you need to take another breath, which is perfect. It's plenty of time to make the shot. A good a rifleman fires every shot at rifleman's cadence, which is one round of aim fire every two to three seconds. So that's plenty of time for you to make the shot. So... <clears throat> You're going to take a breath in. You take the, you'll exhale. So you get to the bottom of your cycle. Once your diaphragm is relaxed, the pressure is equalized. Then you'll have uh, a good three to eight seconds when you can take the shot. You're taking the shot there because you don't want to move the rifle by breathing. Now, once again, you can use whatever method works best for you. You can. Uh, Take a breath in and hold it. You can uh, use the bottom of your respiratory cycle. Whatever works for you. The most important thing is for you to understand that you cannot be breathing while you're making the shot. If you're breathing, you're moving. If you're moving, you're moving your rifle. If you're moving your rifle, you're going to affect the impact of the round down range. <clears throat> that brings us to step four. Step four is a two-part step. There's 4A and 4B. 4A is the physical task. And what we're going to ask you to do is to focus your eye on the front sight. You're going to focus your eye on the front sight. And why is that? Why don't you, why don't you focus your eye on the rear sight? or focus your eye on the target, or first of all, why do you have to focus your eye on any one thing anyway? Aren't I looking at all three things whenever I see this anyway? Aren't I looking at the rear side, the front side, and the target at the same time? And the answer is yes, you are. <clears throat> but your eye is actually a mechanical device, no different than a telescope or binoculars or a microscope, anything like that. And your eye focus, your focal length, is only on one plane at a time. 
That means if I'm looking, if I hold my finger out at arm's length and I'm looking at the tip of my finger, I can still see uh, a uh, dog running across a field at about uh, 20 yards away and moving from left to right. I can see a bird as it swoops in. Uh, I can see a tree uh, 20 feet past, forward of my finger. But I don't see any of them clearly. If I'm looking at my finger, then everything else past it is not in focus. If in, in the same vein, if I pick a uh, like a telephone pole at uh, 25 meters away from me, and I'm focusing on that telephone pole, then I can see my finger. If I hold my finger up in between, uh, in my line of sight between me and the telephone pole, I see my finger. But I don't really see it in any detail because I'm focusing my eyes uh, at a at a greater distance, at a, a more distant focal plane. So that brings us to the question of if I have three things to focus on, why does it need to be the front sight? Now I'll tell you why. Because the front sight determines where your round is going to impact. The front sight determines where your round is going to impact. So you need to have that front sight in crisp, clear relief. It needs to be a very uh, very nice, crisp, clear front sight that you're seeing. <clears throat> and then if you're shooting at, uh, say, the uh, four-minute squares that we put up, and you'll see the the uh, the rear sight will be kind of blurry. The front sight will be sharp and clear and crisp. And you'll place that at, on a good 6 o'clock hole beneath the kind of a little bit fuzzy four-minute of arc square. And you don't have to... You don't have to see the target perfectly clear in order to hit it. If you put your front sight at the correct position on that uh, little bit fuzzy, little bit out of focus four minute of arc square, if you put it in the right position, then you're going to hit that black square. Your front sight determines where the round is going to impact. So you must know where that front sight is. You must see it clearly so you can put it in the correct place. <clears throat> All right. Uh, I'll tell you that this that this is not that natural of a thing to do. Uh, while you're when you're sitting there looking at that front sight and you move it into place onto the target. Your eye is going to try and jump past that front sight to the target and put the target in focus. You're going to have to resist this, and you're going to have to rein that uh, focal plane back in to the front sight. <laughs> the same thing with uh, when you guys with the scopes. Now, you're going to, once again, you know, the scope is going to be doing a lot of this for you. Uh that even so, you will still need to focus your eye on the reticle. 
to make sure that you're putting the reticle in the correct place. That brings us to 4B. This is the second part of the fourth step. This is the, the mental aspect of it. Step 4B is focusing your mind on keeping the front sight on the target. Now, this seems like a no-brainer, doesn't it? It seems like, well, wouldn't it, what else am I going to do? And the answer is, uh, the answer is an, an infinite number of things that you're going to do that is not keeping your front sight on the target. All right? Now, of all of the steps, of all the six steps, this is the most important one. If you do if you do everything else perfectly and your front sight is not on the target, I guarantee you, unless there's some freak accident or ricochet, your round is not going to impact on the target. If your front sight is not on the target when the rifle fires, your round is not going to impact the target where you want it to. And how do you do this? Well, we're we're teaching you the steps, the six steps, in a linear fashion, right? One, two, three, four, five, six. Because that's the only way to teach it. I can't I can't have six people yelling up uh, each one of the steps at the same time. In actuality, the the steps uh, are occurring, all of them almost simultaneously. And they're going to, uh, they're all going to meet at the singularity, which is the shot. The way I had to do it, because if you're sitting there going through the steps and uh, you've got uh, uh, your sights aligned, you've got your sight picture correct. You're in your respiratory pause. I've got my eye focused on the front sight. I'm focusing my mind on keeping the front sight on the target, and now I'm going to start squeezing the trigger. And while I'm squeezing the trigger, now I'm focused on squeezing the trigger correctly. And when I do that, I've released my prime directive, which is keeping the front sight on the target, and I've gone to this trigger squeeze or or who knows what, or I've gone to the... Uh, the the itch on the back of my neck, whatever it is. And I've released that prime command of keeping the front side of the target, and it will wander off. Guaranteed, it will wander off. Uh, the vast majority of, uh, of any of the problems that you'll have to deal with with shooters is them keeping their front sight on the target. What I had to do when I first started, because I don't know if there was some bizarre uh, thing I had or not, but uh, when I finally traced it down, when I finally locked onto it, I had some kind of strange habit of right before I made the shot, I would look up and to the right on my rear sight post. 
and that released my front sight from uh, from staying on the target and taking the shot, and I would take the shot like that. Now, and the only way I could correct it at the time, and who knows how I developed this thing, uh, if you if you keep shooting, uh, guaranteed eventually, over the years, you will develop some kind of a glitch in the machine, and uh, and you'll have to figure out a way to work it out. What I did was, I, I just repeated the mantra. Uh, actually, vocally, during my prep, uh, I would repeat to myself over and over, front sight on the target, front sight on the target, front sight on the target. And then mentally, as uh, as I started the beginning of uh, the of actually make it, taking the shot, it would be running in my head, front sight on the target, to ensure that I maintain uh, my mental focus of keeping the front sight on the target. Like I said, this seems like a no-brainer, but I'll tell you once again that the majority of the problems that shooters are going to face and that you yourself may be facing is in not keeping the front sight on the target. Now, you can't, as instructors, you won't be able to see this, unless they, unless they had some type of a rig, which wouldn't be a bad idea, some type of a rig that you could uh, that you could fix that would uh, that would show you. I guess you could do it with a scope or something. It would show you what the shooter is seeing when they take the shot. Otherwise, you're not going to see this. But if you get a uh, a target. That that doesn't have some specific glitch in it. If it is, doesn't have uh, the targets up and down, if it doesn't have the targets, uh, I mean the holes in the paper, if it doesn't have the the rounds showing holes in the paper uh, up and down, or a slant from the high left to the low right, or high right to the low left, or uh, or a vertical, or uh, if it's not something you can easily determine, almost guaranteed. It's going to be that the shooter is not keeping their front sight on the target. Sometimes you can kneel down beside them, and I'm not telling you to get into drill sergeant mode and start yelling out, you keep your front sight on the target while you're making the shot. But you can kneel down beside them or get in prone beside them, and you can... Uh, repeat it over and over while they're getting ready to take the shot. Front sight on the target. Front sight on the target. Front sight on the target. And see if that doesn't tighten up their group. <clears throat> now, as I said before, and this isn't, uh, this, well, it seems like an no-brainer, with new shooters, you're asking them to do a whole bunch of different things. Now, they're going to hit this one. They're going to hit this one right where it goes on 4B. And then they're going to run past it when they get to 5. Uh, and they're going to release their their prime directive, which is to keep the front side of the target doing the shot. And they're going to go on to something else, all right? So this is common. And 
the the only thing that really solves it is practice. You know, making sure that you've gotten that the person has uh, the uh, the the set uh, of things that they're going to do. Have it. They have it down. They have it committed to to muscle memory, and then. They understand that their prime directive, the overriding directive, while they're while they're making the shot, is going to be keeping the front, keeping their mind focused on keeping the front sight on the target. <clears throat> All right. This brings us to step five, and that is squeezing the trigger. Now, uh, really, it shouldn't be. I, it, squeezing the trigger is about the, the closest you're going to get. What you really want is a press on, on the trigger. Uh, but even still, when it says squeezing the trigger, that's the whole reason you're saying squeeze is because you're not going to say pull the trigger or yank the trigger or uh, or jerk the trigger uh, or snap that trigger. You, you're going to squeeze the trigger. You're going to press the trigger. And the way you're going to do this is you're going to apply incrementally increasing pressure on the trigger in a direct rear uh, rearward fashion until you've put enough pressure on the trigger to cause the trigger to break and the rifle to fire. And this should come at a point that is somewhat of a surprise to you. You shouldn't actually know the exact moment that the trigger is going to break, the rifle is going to fire. Now, it is not going to be a big surprise, right? Because you're at the range, uh, you've got a target up, you've got rounds in your rifle, you just chambered around, you got the safety off, you got the sights of the target, and you're putting pressure on the trigger. So what else is going to happen? It's going to fire, right? But the exact moment that it fires should be somewhat of a surprise to you. The reason for that is if you know when the rifle is going to fire, then you're doing it wrong. The only way you can know when the rifle is going to fire is because you're going to make it fire at that point. And the only way to make it fire at that point is to jerk the trigger. That's the only way to make it fire uh, at the point where you're going to know when it's going to fire is to jerk it. So you're going to apply incrementally increasing pressure uh, in a directly rearward straight to the rear fashion and one of the ways that uh, that we use to demonstrate this is taking the pad of your finger and putting it on the the top of a ballpoint big pen and and start start slowly pushing it down. Now, one of the ways to know that you're doing it correctly is that if your sights come off the target for some reason that you can stop and bring them back onto the target and then continue your uh, trigger squeeze. If you can't do that, it's because you've already committed yourself 
to yanking the trigger, to jerking the trigger. If your sights come off the target and you go, oh, I can't stop now, I'm already starting my jerk, then you know you're doing it wrong. If your sights come off the target, you should be able to stop right, right where you are without putting any more pressure on there and without releasing any pressure and move your sights back onto the target and then continue to apply the increasing pressure until the trigger breaks. <clears throat> now, your finger placement on the trigger is important also. Your finger placement should be somewhere between the very tip of the pad on your trigger finger, on your index finger. You look at your pad and you'll see uh, the lines on your finger. You'll see them make a swirl and they come to a point. They come to like a singularity there on the, in the pad of your finger. It should be somewhere between that pad and the first crease. Somewhere right in there is the correct position. If you have it forward of that, then you're actually pushing the rifle away from your strong side. You're going to be pushing. If I'm right-handed, whenever I squeeze the trigger, I'm actually going to be pushing the whole rifle to the left. If I have it back past that crease on my strong side, my strong side being my right side, if I have it past the first crease, then I'm actually going to be pulling the trigger to my strong side to the right. I don't want to do either of those. I want to pull the trigger straight to the rear. That means I'm going to have my finger crooked without any of the rest of my finger touching the rifle. So I'll have the trigger placed between the center of the pad and the first crease and then as low down on the trigger as possible. If you're, if you're applying pressure to the top of that trigger, it's a whole different uh, ball game than if you're applying pressure to the bottom of it. And that's just simple uh, geometry. You know, you're using a uh, the principle of the fulcrum. If you got a long lever, then you can lift up uh, uh, something heavy pretty easy. If you have a short lever, it's going to take a lot more pressure. It's the same thing with your trigger. So if you put your finger as far down as possible on the trigger and have the pad, uh, have the uh, trigger placed between the... Uh, the center of the pad on your trigger finger and the first crease. You're going to want to put it in the same place every time. And once you start your course of fire, you don't want to, your finger doesn't, you don't want to take your finger back off of the trigger. All right. That will bring us to step six, which is following through. And uh, step six actually has uh, a couple of things that we want you to do uh, at the same time. The very first thing you're going to do is when that trigger breaks, you're going to hold the trigger to the rear. Now, the reason you do this 
is because you're trying to eliminate any possible motion to the barrel of that rifle while the projectile is still in the barrel. Now, when that trigger first breaks, and I, I asked this folks this on the line, when that trigger first breaks, when that hammer hits that fine pin, that pin hits that primer, I asked him, how fast is the bullet going right at that precise moment? And the answer is zero. It was an idea. It hasn't gone anywhere yet. Now, it's going to. In your mind, this happens so quickly. In your mind, you perceive it as happening instantaneously, and yet it does not. There's a, it is actually remains in the barrel of the rifle for a measurable amount of time. That means once the the trigger's broken, once the rifle has, uh, once the hammer has hit the the, uh, the cartridge and ignited the powder, the bullet still hasn't left the barrel. Now you squeeze the trigger and the trigger's broke, but the bullet has not left the barrel. That means you can still any movement you make now can still affect the impact of the round down range. Now, while it appears to you it's instantaneous, it is not. If you allow your finger to pop off that trigger, then you're going to impart motion to the rifle while the round is still in the barrel, while it's still leaving the barrel. So, once the trigger breaks, you're going to hold it to the rear. Now, you don't have to hold it to the rear forever, but you're going to hold the trigger to the rear until the projectile has left the barrel. <clears throat> the next thing you're going to do is take a mental snapshot of where your sights were when the rifle fired. And this is... Uh, this will this may take a little bit of practice because a lot of people say, "Well, I can't do that because uh, because you know it's all happening so quickly, and there's an explosion, and and there's recoil and a blast, and there's no way I'm going to be able to do it." And and yes, you are because once again, remember I told you that uh, that the it's not instantaneous. It appears to be instantaneous, but it's not instantaneous. Before there's time, your 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 mind is a very complex thing, and your mind is hooked up to your eye. That means you're going to be able to take a mental snapshot of where the front is before you receive the recall and the report. You're going to be able to tell where your front sight was at the moment the trigger broke. It takes a little bit of practice, but you can do it. And and this is important because you need to know where your round is going to hit. You need to know what your rifle is doing. If if you have your sights on your four minute of arc square and you squeeze the trigger properly but right as the rifle fires right as that trigger breaks you see that your sights are 
uh, low and left, like uh, three minutes low and two minutes left. Uh, that's what you see whenever you fire the shot. Then when you go down to that target and you see there's a hole three minutes low and two minutes left, then you know that uh, that your rifle did what you told it to do. It's not a bad shot. Uh, the rifle fired right where you told it to fire. You told it to fire three minutes low, two minutes left. So you need to get used to taking a mental snapshot of where your front sight was when the rifle fired. Now, on holding the trigger back, you can hold the trigger back like I said, it doesn't have to be a long time. You're gonna, if you're firing within your uh, uh, rifle's cadence, that means you're going to take uh, one. You're going to fire one round, one aimed round every two to three seconds. But, I mean, you can hold that trigger back. Uh, you could hold it back for a full second if you needed to. The 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 best thing to do is to squeeze the trigger. Then it breaks. You're holding it back. You go into recoil. When you come out of recoil and you've got your NPOA set up, when you come out of recoil and your sights settle back on the target, that's where your finger should be releasing its pressure and letting the trigger come forward. Now, you're not, your finger is not going to come off of the trigger, but you can let it come forward until you feel the sear refeed. You should be able to feel it. And there's no reason for you to put all of the slack back in the trigger either. You don't need to, your finger doesn't need to come off, and you don't need to put all the slack back into the trigger. All you need to do is let the trigger come forward far enough that the sear will recede and you will be ready to take the next shot. All right. That had to be some of my my best instruction ever. The last four minutes, that was the the best job I've ever done in the last four minutes. I don't know how you guys missed that. <clears throat> All right. Uh, 
I don't know where I uh I don't know where I lost uh you guys at. <clears throat> if uh uh if you want to uh put it in the chat then <clears throat> then the co host can uh, can let me know. <clears throat> if not, I guess I'll just uh uh I, I if it was four minutes and he said it was about four minutes, then I think that I must have just started the uh uh the review on the six steps. So let me go back over that again. Uh the review of the six steps to find a shot. The first of the six steps is sight alignment. And that's merely ensuring that the front and rear sight are in the correct alignment. If you have the uh the blade and V notch, you want to make sure that the blade is centered in in the notch and the top of the the front sight is at the same level as the rear uh as the top of the the rear notch post uh unless it's a factory ten twenty two sight uh where you're gonna have the front bead sitting in the cup on the little panel that's nestled between the two uh notches. Uh if you have the peep sights, you're going to make sure that the that you've drawn in a, that you have an imaginary set of uh, crosshairs in there, and that the front sight is centered vertically, and it comes up only to the halfway mark of the open circle that you're seeing in the rear. Like I said, your eyes are going to want to naturally do this. They're going to naturally want to do this, so you don't have to to try and worry too much about getting. Uh, to, about getting this exactly right because your eyes are going to, your mind is going to try and do this for you. It, it wants it to be, it wants to see a symmetrical picture. So it's going to try and do this for you. Uh, the main thing you're going to have to do is ensure that you have it at the same place every time. The sights, what you see is at the same place every time. You have a scope. It's going to be done for you. The alignment's going to be done. But you have to make sure that you have the correct eye release. That's making sure that you see a clean, clear picture in your glass. No shadows, no blurs around the edges, anything like that. For your sight picture, you're going to take your correctly aligned sights and you're going to place either the uh, the front blade, you're going to place it either center of mass or center of target, or at the six o'clock hole, whichever one works for you. If you're using a scope, then it's just going to go on center of your target. You can have the, the scope on center of target. <clears throat> that brings us to the respiratory pause. Uh, you know that you can't make a shot while there's movement, so you're going to take your pause. Either you're going to break your Rest your respiratory cycle either by stopping and holding in your breath at a certain point or by stopping at the bottom of your cycle and use either that moment or or holding your breath to take your shot. You're not going to make the shot while the rifle is moving. 
because you're breathing, okay? So you're going to use your respiratory pause to stop the movement, and then you'll take the shot in that uh, three to eight seconds. <clears throat> that brings us to the fourth step. And this is a two-part step, and step A is focusing your eye on the front sight. You know that the front sight determines where the round is going to impact. So you're going to make sure that you have your eye focused on the front sight. The rear sight is going to be a little bit blurry, and the target may be a little bit out of focus. But you're going to have your eye, your uh, your eye focused on the front sight. If you have a scope, you're still going to focus on the reticle to make sure that it is uh, in sharp relief. And then the next thing you're going to do is to focus your mind on keeping the front sight on the target. This is going to be your your overriding command throughout this, uh, throughout making the shot, is focusing your mind on keeping the front sight on the target. We know that the front sight determines where your round is going to impact. We know that if the front sight is not on the target, then you will not hit the target. So you're going to make sure that you're focusing your mind on keeping the front sight on the target. If you have to repeat it, fine. If you need to, uh, if you need to remind a shooter that you're instructing, then you can repeat it to them. You can repeat the the mantra to them while they're shooting. <clears throat> But you're going to have to focus your mind on keeping the front sight on the target. This brings us to five, squeezing the trigger. There's not going to be a, a yanking of the trigger, a pulling of the trigger, a jerking of the trigger, a snapping of the trigger, any of that. It's going to be a squeezing of the trigger, which means you're going to press the trigger directly to the rear, Using your placing your finger on the trigger so that the trigger is actually resting between the center of the pad on your the the first uh, section of the digit on your trigger finger between the center of the pad and the first crease and then down as low on the trigger as you can get as low on the trigger as you can get the the only way to make a six-pound trigger a six-pound trigger is to put the finger down as low on the trigger as you can get. If the trigger, if you're heavier, the the trigger finger right up to the top where it is touching the trigger and then touching the action, touching the 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 the, the where the trigger goes into the action, if it's touching there, then there's a good chance that you're going to be making that uh, six-pound trigger into a 22-pound trigger or a 30-pound trigger. So the finger needs to be as low down on the trigger as it can get. Then you're going to apply directly, uh, incrementally increasing pressure to the trigger, directly to the rear, And you're going to do it in such a fashion that if the sights come off the target, then you can stop right where you are 
without putting any more pressure on or letting any off, bring the sights back to the target and then continue your trigger squeeze. If you can't do this, it means you're committing yourself to a shot, you're committing yourself to a yank or a jerk. So you're going to be able to stop, bring these the sights back on the target, and then continue your trigger squeeze to a point where the trigger should break uh, at a point that should be somewhat of a surprise to you, okay? If, if you... Uh, if you... Uh, I was reading something, a note from the co-host and kind of lost track of what I was saying there about the squeeze, the trigger squeeze. Anyway, if you are uh, applying the incrementally increasing pressure and uh, and the rifle should fire at a point that should be somewhat of a surprise to you, you know it's going to fire, but it should be where the exact moment that it fires should be somewhat of a surprise to you because uh, if you know when it's going to fire, then you're making it fire. And the only way to make it fire is to jerk it, all right? And then, and you're also going to make sure that when you look at your, your finger, that the only part of the finger that's touching the rifle is the first uh, pad that you've got the finger curled and it's touching the trigger down low and just the first pad of the finger touching it. No other part of the finger is touching the rifle so that you're not dragging wood, all right? And then you're going to go to step six, which is the follow-through. And on your follow-through, you're going to ensure that you're holding the trigger to the rear and that everything in your universe has frozen. That everything in your universe has frozen and that you're going to allow the projectile to leave the barrel before any more movement comes through. And that's from anything. That's from your finger popping off the trigger or you exhaling or anything else. You're going to make the shot, and when you make the shot, when the trigger breaks, your universe freezes. At the same time, you're going to take a mental snapshot of where the front sight was when the rifle fired. With a little practice, you can do this. You can call your shots, and you should get the. You should be telling the, the attendees they should be calling their shots right off the bat. You know, but when they start firing, as soon as you, as soon as you've given them the six steps to find the shot, they should be calling their shots right off the bat. You can uh, uh, kneel down or lay down beside a shooter, and you tell them. Uh, I want you to call off each shot. I want you to tell me where your front sight was when the rifle fired each time. You actually vocally say it to me. And you write it down and then see if it compares with their target. And it should be, uh, it should be, you know, in a, in a, uh, if they're doing it correctly, then you should be able to match up the holes downrange with what they tell you. They should be able to fire the shot. They'll say, okay, that was on uh, low left. Uh, left, high left. Uh, this one's on, and you should be able to go down range and <clears throat> match them up. And uh, that can 
that can help you make sure when you're calling the shot, one of the things that, uh, one of the problems that you can rule out, if they say they can't call the shot, then they may not have their eye open when they're making the shot. They may be blinking. So you'll need to look at their face, make sure that they have their eye open when they're making the shot. They should be able to call off the shots to you. And if you force them to do it by sitting down there and telling them that you want to hear them, uh, you want them to tell you where each shot's going, that will actually help them figure out how to call the shot. Okay. Uh, I don't. I don't see anybody. I don't see anybody calling in. If you'd like to call in, our number is three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. Now I'm hoping that you guys would uh, would be calling in while I was doing this, so that we could talk about this. Uh, I don't want to just sit here and tell you. Uh, I mean, I can sit here and tell you the six steps because they are what they are. But uh, I would like, uh, if you have uh, a method that you use to teach the six steps, and I'd love to hear it. If you guys have any particular methods that you're using, then uh, I'd like for you to call in and uh, talk to us about them. Or if if you have any uh, uh, perspectives on how to teach the six steps to find the shot, or if you've found some common problems that uh, uh, that you've noticed or something like that, then, <clears throat> then go ahead and call in. We'd like to hear from you. Uh, I'll tell you that one of the things that, that I find fairly often uh, is that folks, when they're giving the six steps, they... Uh, They need to make sure that when they're talking about sight alignment, that they've already looked at the rifles and made sure that they don't have a, uh, or that if there's a Ruger 1022 on the line or any kind of sight like that, then they need to make sure that they mention that. You know, we had folks before who who said, you know, I'm making all the adjustments. I've got my I've got my my sights maxed out. I've got as far as it will go, and it's not doing anything. Well, that should tell you that you need to take a look at their sights and make sure that that there's not some special feature to the sights that is uh, confusing them, or that they're where they're not uh, that they're not. putting their sights, they're not aligning their sights correctly, like you, like with a Ruger 1022. Uh, Then you'll need to look at, uh, I I look at their faces. Uh, I try and get a little bit farther forward, look at their faces. When they are uh, aligning their sights and trying to get a sight picture, so that I can see what they're doing with their eyes. Sometimes I, I've seen plenty of new shooters who are trying to shoot right-handed, 
but they have their right eye closed and they have their head rocked over uh, and cranked up onto the rifle. Now you can a lot of times you can see this pretty easy just because it, it looks weird, <clears throat> but sometimes it's not. It's a more of a subtle thing, so you need to make sure that you're that you're looking at their face, not just looking from behind them, but you're getting forward and looking at their face when they're putting their 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 sights when they're putting their their face on the rifle, and make sure that their face, that their head alignment, and that their eyesight is correct. Uh, what else? Uh, and make sure you guys, are, there's, there's plenty of folks listening, make sure that uh, that the stuff that you've seen, share it with the rest of us, that there's something that you see, if there's some trick that you know or or some kind of problem that you've seen, then call in 347-308-8790 and share them with us so that uh, everybody can uh, have the benefit of this information. Now, the trigger squeeze, no, respiratory pause. Let me get to that one first because uh, this is going to be another common problem that you should be looking at when you're watching the shooter shoot. That means that you watch them on uh, uh, when the first couple of shots, you look at their face, look at their eyes, look at their hands, make sure they're not dragging wood. Uh, make sure that their face is in the right place, that their cheekbones go their face in the right place. Then make sure that you're watching the rise and fall of their chest during the shot. They should come up and come down, and then when there's that pause, they should make the shot. Now, it should be easy to see. If it's not easy to see, if it looks confusing, then it may very well be that they're confused. They may, I've seen, I've seen all kinds of stuff. I've seen the folks breathe in, breathe out, and right as they're, before they get to the respiratory pause, they take the shot. Because there's still movement. They're, 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 I'm looking at their back, and their back is still going down while they're making the shot. Now, there's no way this doesn't affect the impact of the round. So you're going to watch and make sure that their that their body is still that they that they have come to a respiratory pause before you see them fire the rifle. I've seen the the uh, the breathe in, breathe out, and then fire it as they're coming to their pause. Breathe in, breathe out, and Right at the end of their pause, they should have already made the shot, but instead, I get they went too long, and they're starting to take another breath as they're uh, making a shot. So make sure that as you're looking at them, that you're watching their respiratory cycle, making sure that you watch and that they're they're actually coming to a pause. <clears throat> okay, looks like we got a. Uh, caller on looks like Skype or something. I don't think uh, I mean, the code the screener is screening. I'll go ahead and oh, he's screening now. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Uh, there are there is a ton of things that they may be doing in their respiratory pause, and so that you can see some of it's very easy to see by looking at their by looking at the target. Obviously, if they have the classic breathing. Then you'll see the holes strung out in a straight up and down fashion. I mean, that's 
easy, pretty easy to tell. Uh, but that may not be the case every time, because they may not be doing it every time, or they may be doing it uh, in a different, uh, different way. So be sure that you're checking them and that you're watching their body. You're watching them, watching them first, the way that their position is, and watching their fingers and making sure they got their eyes correct and stuff, and then and then watch the rise and fall of their body so that you can determine where they're taking the shot in their respiratory cycle. Now, like I said, I've seen, uh, I think, just about everything you can imagine with with triggers and trigger fingers and everything else. I've seen uh, all the way from, like, the, the little kids who can't, they're doing everything they can to hold on to that, that stock. It's a little bit too large for them. And they're running their hand up there high, and they've got that middle finger instead of the index finger. You've got the middle finger pushed through there because that's, it's the only way they can get enough uh, enough power to their hand, to their grip, to get the rifle to fire. But if that's what they're doing, make sure that they at least have it, uh, their hand indexed on the rifle so that their finger is down at the bottom of the trigger, as low as it'll go. Don't let them, don't let them ride their hand up to the top of the grip so that they're pulling, uh, instead of pulling the, the trigger from the bottom, they're trying to get it from the very top. Uh, all right. Uh, I've also seen folks uh, a fairly common thing I've seen is folks stroking the trigger and uh, the most uh, the most advanced form of this I saw was a guy who was stroking the trigger uh, in proportion to his shot. That means that he would take the finger and it would be indexed uh, out alongside the rifle. When he got to the first shot, he would bring it in and he would actually slide his finger in the action. Uh, the finger would get onto the trigger uh, like about the middle of the second digit and then he would stroke it once and then come back and place his finger in about the correct position and take the shot. Then on the next one, he would stroke it two times and then take the shot. The next one, he would do it three times and take the shot. <clears throat> when I asked him about it, I said, why are you doing that? And he said, what? I said, why are you doing that? Why are you stroking the finger and counting off your shots? He goes, I'm not. And I said, yeah, you are. I just want you to do it twice. He stroked it every time in accordance with the number of shots we're taking. He had no idea he was doing that. He had no idea that he was doing it. So it was completely... Uh, that that program, that software was running on a completely different uh, uh, server for him. Now, once he, once I told him about it, uh, and he was conscious of it, then he stopped doing it. But before that, uh, and, and there's no way that this doesn't affect you because you're putting your finger in a different place every time, and uh, it's eating up the time too on any of his uh, timed courses. But these are the things that you'll see by watching them. You have to watch. You can't just stand back five feet away and just kind of take a glance at the people and see if they're doing okay. You've got to get, you got to get close. You got to get down there with them and actually look at them and see what they're doing. Uh, see if the person's finger is tight up against the stock, because if it is, then any motion 
any uh, any muscle use of that finger that's touching the stock is going to move the stock. Guaranteed. There's no way around it. It's going to move the stock, which is going to move the barrel, which is going to affect the impact of the round down range. You need to make sure that the finger is curled correctly and that it's pressing the trigger directly to the rear. Uh, then it needs to be uh, a controlled press to the rear, gradually uh, incrementally increasing pressure that uh, another rifle fires at a point when it should be somewhat of a surprise. One of the other things I do, folks, is when they'll be shooting, uh, uh, usually in the prone, usually at the multiple target, that's one of the best times to do it. I'll be sitting there watching them, and they'll fire, and they'll get, they'll fire, uh, like, say, in stage three. They'll fire all ten rounds. They'll fire the last four rounds on the last target. And then I'm sitting there with them, and I'll tell them, because I'm, I'm coaching them through this. I'm, you know, I'm trying to get somebody through the stage three, which means I'll, I'll tell them the whole thing. I mean, I'll ride it down with them, and I'll just quietly be talking to them as we, down, as we get down. I'll say, all right, get the safety off. Put the mag in. Work the action. Uh, <clears throat> all right. Two rounds. Okay, drop the mag, new mag. One round on the first target. All right. Natural point of aim shift. All right. Uh, three rounds on this target. All right. Natural point of aim shift. Four rounds on this target. Now, they'll fire the four rounds, and then when they get through the four rounds, I'll tell them, okay, one more. you got one more shot. Because now they're going to fire on an empty chamber, which means I'll get to see if they are yanking or jerking the trigger. Because if they do, I'll tell them, I go, did you see that? Did you see what she just did? That's what you're doing in every shot. You just don't see it because you've got the recoil of the rifle. But that's what you're doing on every shot. And I'll get them to focus on making sure that they're not, you know, that they're yanking or squeezing the trigger. Now, you're going to see this in ball and dummy. But if I see the person, if I can see them doing it before we get to ball and dummy, then I'll try that a few times on different folks. I'll just say, okay, you got one more, one more round. And uh, because I want to see how they're going to do it. <clears throat> All right. Uh, I think that's just about... Uh, it's just about everything. Now, <clears throat> next week we're going to talk about uh, uh, natural point of aim and inches, minutes, and clicks. All right? So <clears throat> uh, there's still a couple of minutes. If anyone would like to call in, we'll still be glad to take your call. The number is uh, 347 Three zero eight eight seven nine zero three four seven three zero eight eight seven nine zero. 347 308 8790 If you have some, uh, some teaching techniques, like I said, share it with the rest of us. If you have uh, some questions about this, then share it with the rest of us because uh, I'm always looking for a new way. I'm always looking to, to make it better, some new way. I'm always, uh, I, I love going to other shoots, and I love getting other instructors up to teach the six steps because 
I'm always looking for a new uh, a new way to do it. I'm always looking for a new uh, a new twist on it that can help me make it clearer to the shooters. Uh, they can help me understand it better. And then the last part is make sure that you're make sure that once you've got that rifleman's patch and that orange hat that you don't you don't hang the rifle up. Make sure that you're getting down the line as often as possible and going through this so that you remember what it is that you're teaching. I'm not you don't have to be if if you don't have to be a great shooter to be a great instructor, okay? You could be a lousy shooter and still be a good instructor. But in order for you to understand what you're teaching, you got to be familiar with it. You've got to stay familiar with it. So as often as possible, you're going to need to grab your rifle and get down the line and run through this yourself so that you understand what it's like. You understand uh, how it feels with your with you when you're holding the rifle, when you're you are, when you're looking at the target, what you're seeing, uh what you're seeing when you're calling the shot, uh the ability to explain the aspects of muscle memory in the shots. <clears throat> like I said, when we're teaching the the six steps to firing the shot, we have to teach it in a linear fashion. But the actual uh, in actual practice, these things are all occurring simultaneously, as or they should be anyway. In order for you to, to in order to to be really good at making the shot, these things should be happening simultaneously. As you're aligning your front and rear sights and bringing them onto the target, you should be already inside your respiratory cycle. You should be. Uh, you should already have your uh, your respiratory cycle running, so that as you're bringing your sights onto the target, you should be either inhaling, ready to uh, uh, to stop and hold your breath, or exhaling, heading for the bottom of your cycle. As you're heading for the bottom of your cycle, you should have the slack coming out of your trigger and to beginning to press on that trigger. Uh, after you fired it, any rifle a couple of times, you know about where it's going to fire. You know about how much pressure it's going to take. So you should be you should have the slack out of the trigger and beginning to apply the pressure on the trigger as you're exhaling, as your front and rear sights are, are uh, coming into alignment and moving into the correct sight picture. And all you should be waiting for uh, is for you to hit your respiratory pause and at that point placing the last few grains of pressure on that trigger so that the sights uh, don't have to stay at that same place on the target for more than for more than a microsecond, and then the shot happens. And as the shot happens, you're taking you're holding the trigger to the rear and taking a mental snapshot. So these are all happening 
uh, at the same time. These are all all happening at the same time, and they're culminating at the singularity, which is the shot. <clears throat> all right. Uh, the same thing with uh, with your following shots. All right, should be the same thing with your following shots. <clears throat> Once you've uh, held a trigger to the rear, made the middle snapshot, your universe is frozen. Once that uh, that uh, round has exited the bell. You should have your inhale. Your, as you inhale, you reach the uh, your max inhale. And you start exhaling. As you exhale, you should be letting that trigger go forward. So the sear receipts and then beginning the rearward pressure again until the, the sights are onto the target. And once again, you only need a couple of seconds. You only need a microsecond. So hold it there for a microsecond, and the process begins again. All right. Uh, I hope that uh, I hope I was able to make this clear, and I hope you guys will tune in again uh, on next Thursday, and we'll do inches, minutes, and clicks, and uh, that's a point of aim. And we'll also have. Uh, uh, Chuck Hutchersey, the director of the movie uh, Behold a Pale Horse, he'll be on to uh, tell us about the movie. So uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We'll see you again uh, next week. 7 p.m. Thank you. God bless everybody. See you next week.
for your rights, only doing what's right. They'll knock you to your Tracking who we meet, you call this liberty. 